Good evening, everyone. This is a sad, somber evening. It is the Battle Line Salute Detroit podcast. We got the cast here. We got the madman, Jamal Magby. How are you holding up, Jamal? Doing all right, Fred. I, I actually really appreciate the wardrobe, the fact that you're dressed in all black because we're <laughs> we're we're mourning uh, you know, today. This is this is sort of I, I know you call it Victory Sunday, ladies and gentlemen. Yesterday was Victory Sunday, today's funeral Monday. So and we have the world cast athlete. She's also in black, Candace Davis Price. How are you doing, Candace? Hanging in there. Hanging in there. So our Trojans got taken behind the barn shed on Saturday night. <laughs> they lost about 28 points. Final score, Notre Dame 48, SC 20. Um, but we, we spoke on it a little bit yesterday, but there was a lot of deficiencies and I'm I'm going to stand behind this, and nobody has to agree with me. And and I, I I'm looking. I was let me let me preface it with this. This is my preface to this. Championship teams have championship defenses, right? And the best example I could give you is Georgia, Alabama. If we go to the NFL, I'll give you the 2000 Ravens, right? And I know Caleb lost the game. It was. I will say 60-40 Caleb and 40% is on the offensive line. But after watching the film, you got to hold those dudes to field goals, man. And that was my biggest my my biggest issue. And I, and I knew that was going to come up, and I knew it was going to happen. And I kept saying that it's going to be one day where we can't rely on Caleb. It's going to be one day where we can't rely on the offense and the defense has to hold, right? If you go to that – if you go into that game 13 – what did I, at halftime, what was it? 13. If you go 13 6, right? 24 6. But instead, if it's 13 to 6, because one of them he caught the pick and ran down to the two, I get that. But if you go to into that game and the score is 13 to 6, it's a whole different story. You got a shot. So at some point, and that point was going to come where we won't be able to rely on Caleb, we won't be able to rely on the offense. Hold them to field goals at least. Don't just say, "Oh man, forty on one of the picks is at the forty-eight yard line." I look through the game stats, like I go and I look and I go play by play. I'm like, they got the ball in the forty-nine and they gave up a touchdown. Still, hold them. You could if you hold them and you at least get a sack. Now you're on the opposite side of the fifty, and they go four and out. They're punting the ball. Now we're looking at maybe ten to ten to six. You know what I mean? Like ten to six is a whole different ball game. You got stuff to worry about. So that that was my worry, and that's what I meant yesterday, Jamal. Like, it sometimes it's gonna fall on the defense. I will say this: Caleb did have a bad game. Caleb had a really bad game, but I'm gonna tell you this: I don't know if it was Marcus Freeman or the defensive coordinator, but he found the he found the hole in USC's offense, and is that front five? That front five is not good. At all, that front five is not good. When you playing man and you're playing match coverage and you're getting to the quarterback with four, and I'll talk about it later. And there's there's no ex- there's no excuse. Like one of the picks Caleb threw, uh, uh, Lake McCree was wide open, but as soon as he came out the play action and looked up, he had to get rid of the ball. And he, the first one he threw, Lake McCree was wide open. That changes the whole concept of the game, like. Lincoln Riley blew it there. He did not get better in the offensive line. And Jamal, I have to say, you told us we we have not yet got a chance to really see how good this team is. 
And I'm going to go back to what I said last year. This is not a college football playoff team. They're not. There's, they have so much work to do in order for them to be a college football playoff team. But, but I will say this. We're way ahead of schedule. <laughs> That's what a lot of people forget. Like, we, we expect so much, and then Lincoln Riley did it so fast, we're way ahead of schedule. If we go back two years, we only won four games, and we only had 20,000 people in the Coliseum. Last year, we won 10 games, right, and we started filling up the Coliseum. This year, we're selling out games, and now we're 6-1 and one competing for a Pac-12 championship, hoping for a CFP berth, hopefully trying to get a, a two-time Heisman winner, right? And we got a Heisman winner in year one. I think we accelerated too fast. And we all jumped on the train. I, I'm, I'm not even going to lie. Jamal, you never jumped on the train. And that's why you're the math scientist and you're smarter. Candace, you were never on the train. You hate Lincoln, Riley, and Jen. I know. I, I got you. But I jumped on the train, right? I was in the end of the train because I thought what they were doing were good. But many times I said, this is a college football player team. I know where we need to improve. I jumped on the train, though, because I wanted to at least see us go, right? That's the alumni in me and me being a fellow player. I wanted to see us go because we haven't been at this prominence in so long. So now it's like, hold on, let's stop and let's really look at it. And that's what I had to do. And it's called self-reflection. So self-reflection as USC is they're ahead of schedule and they did too much too fast. And that common eye does not understand how much they did so fast. They won a high, they had a Heisman Trophy winner. They won 10 games. They played in a New Year's Six Bowl. They're putting up a bunch of points. But they're still not there yet. They don't have the depth. As soon as somebody gets hurt, they're putting in their ninth-string person. The depth at SC is not great. And that's the point that they have to fix. They need to fix their depth because once somebody goes down, the next person that goes in isn't even a starter at Stanford. You know what I mean? Like That's how far the level is between the ones and twos at SC, and that's something that needs to be fixed. And the front five needs to be fixed right away. If you're going to transfer portal it up, Go get all offensive linemen. That Dietrich guy, who's everybody's talking about so good, is supposed to be a pro. He ain't it. And I hate talking about kids, and I know these are kids, and I apologize for talking about kids. He's not a pro. They're, he's just not a pro. So going back and self-reflecting, we're still an average team that got out way ahead of ourselves, right? Can we beat teams? Yes. Do I think we will beat UW because of the home field advantage aspect? And I don't think UW can outscore us. Yes, I do. Do I think Oregon's going to be a dogfight and the better team is going to have to play better for a longer period of time? And hopefully that team is us. Yes, I do think that because the Pac-12 is still good and still a competitive nature. But when you walk into South Bend, Indiana, and think that Notre Dame is scared of you because they have two losses and just because you have the interlock SC on your chest, you're going to lose every time because nobody's scared of you anymore. You have to create that fear back in us and back into teams. And that was the issue that happened on Saturday. And I think that's the issue that's happening now. We need to stop, self-reflect, and understand that we still have a long way to go. We're legit four years away of being a dominant college football team. You know what I mean? Four years away. And – that's fact. We need an offensive line. We need depth on defense. We need better defense. We may need a defensive coordinator or a better defensive scheme. We need better receivers. We're good at the running back spot. <clears throat> We're not very good at the defensive back position. It is what it is, right? Six and one. Great. I am so happy they're six and one. We need to win more games, and hopefully we do get to a 10-win season. But 
our expectations are like Texas expectations. We think we're supposed to be national champions and we're not good enough to be national champions, right? We are a very good football team right now. We are not an elite football team and we need a lot. We have a lot of work and we're two years away from being an elite football team. That is my opinion for Saturday. That's my takeaway. I want to go to Candace because we already pumped all the fans up because we knew this was going to be a good one. I'll go to Candace and then Jamal. Once Candace is done, you could take you could pick up after her. Go ahead, Candace. Saturday was was tough. I do appreciate your uplifting reflections because when I look at, it, I'm like, I'll take the I'll take the loss early in the season, right? The reality of undefeated football team is coming to a screeching halt at the end of the season. That's not going to happen with these mega conferences, right? So taking the loss this this early, not so bad. Um, I, I can echo everything you're saying. I was des- definitely disappointed, but I we mentioned that like the protection that Caleb was getting was just subpar. It was like he was like a congressman versus being the president. You know what I mean? Like they just did not have that. I, there was just grit missing. You, you can you visualize that? Like if you yeah, that was a good one. That was a very good analogy right there. Yeah, is he your Caleb, senator? I love that. <laughs> is he your councilman? Is he the vice president? No, he's the whole president, and you out there with. Yeah, so um, I was definitely, it, it was hard, and I, I like how you touched on them being kids because I'm a big supporter, and I'm a, I connect with them being an athlete. Like, they're just kids out there in front of millions of people, you know, to make mistakes or to have the most glorious moments of their lives to be recognized. So with those picks, I was just like, man, that's that that that's tough. But I, I do have to give, is it's Marcus, right? The um, Notre Dame Marcus coach. Freeman. Marcus Freeman. Marcus Freeman. He just seemed like he had it together. He seemed like he w- was poised. And, you know, last year, the media and him being the Notre Dame coach has had some of the challenge, but he just seemed so together. And you could, I've talked about this, but your team takes on the presence of your coach. And he just seemed like a general with his soldiers, and they were going out there executing. Um, today I felt really old when I went to football practice and I'm always wearing my SD gear because it's really all I have. People go to other schools and wear gear all the time. I don't know why people are on me like, did you actually go to school there? I'm like, did you actually go to school there? Did you get that at Target? And the kids are like, coach, they were good. Like, like forever ago. And I'm like, no, in my mind. And they're like, coach, I was like 20 years ago. I'm like, okay. (laughs) And in my mind, that's where SC still lies. And they're like, they mentioned what Rose said. They're like, oh, well, they, they're just getting better and this, that, and the other. So it is still, um, this is a Band-Aid on a gunshot wound for me. Uh, I'm, tr- I'm, trying, I'm trying to get on the Riley train because I want to support him as a coach. I want to be, um, I want to have the buy-in because I don't want to be a naysayer. But I do have some higher expectations. And I've said that, like, when you bring people that are not true SC people or have that level of excellence, you're kind of, you're, you're getting exposed. So. Um, you touched on some great things. I do appreciate what you said, but just watch it. Yeah, that was that was tough. And all year, nobody said, "Hey, hey, C Ray is what they call." I see you at Trojans, but everybody's like, "Dang, did you watch the other day game? Dang, did you see what you doing? Okay." And I'm like, "I'm doing just fine. Okay, I'm doing just fine." <laughs> Jamal, go ahead. So you know, three points that I'd I'd love to make to to sort of build upon you guys. The first is Candace sort of addressing how time has changed so much, and I think about this from from time to time. No pun intended. But January fourth of twenty twenty four. So we're we're three months away from that, right? You go January fourth, twenty twenty four, will be the eighteenth anniversary of Texas USC. 
So that means that it's been 18 years since Reggie Bush and Matt Leinart and Lendale White played in a USC uniform, which means that all of the recruits moving forward were not born the last time Reggie Bush, Lendale White, and Matt Leinart suited up for USC. So we are talking about a generation ago, as crazy as that sounds, because it feels like yesterday to me, Candice, I wasn't the decorated athletes that you two guys were. I mean, I was a nerdy engineer, but I was there. You know, it was I, I was at school, too. It feels like it was it was so, you know, it was just yesterday or, or a week ago or a year ago. It's been a very long time. And so, number one, USC has to get away from living off of past reputation. And when you look at this year, another stat I'll give you is 15 years Okay, from 2008, from the Mark Sanchez year to today, has been 15 seasons. USC's won one Pac-12 title in 15 seasons. I mean, it, 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 that is a hard fact to believe. And so we are living on past reputation right now. And so that needs to change, number one. Number two, I think, Fred, to your point about this team last year was 11-3. and three. What can What is realistically that of which we could expect for this year. And you kind of go position group by position group, right? Where you say, okay, quarterback, Caleb is Caleb. That was the same as last year. Running back, you could argue Marshawn Lloyd is better than Travis Dye. So there's an upgraded running back. Offensive line, to your point, Fred, no Nealon, no Voorhees. This is a worse offensive line than last year. You look at receiver, same cast of characters minus Jordan Addison. This is probably a worse receiving core than last year. Then you look on the defensive side, secondary, about the same. Bullock is back in supporting cast. Linebackers, probably marginally better this year. And then that front is significantly better this year. So if you look at seven position groups, you're saying, well, three areas, they got better. Two areas, they're the same. Two areas, they got worse. So what does that mean for a team that was 11 and three last year? It means it's probably going to be about the same this year as it was last year. And I think the last point, Fred, I'll make is in terms of being ahead of schedule, because I've been hearing this a lot with Lincoln Riley year two. I did some homework. I did some research uh, from yesterday to today. You, did some you probably have a whole bet. I did. I did some homework and I looked at from 2000, Candice, from the year 2000. Only three coaches won the national championship after four years since 2000, where it took them longer than four years to win the national championship. One was Kirby Smart, one was Mac Brown, one was Dabo Sweeney. And in the case of Kirby Smart, he played in the national title game, was one play away from winning it all in year two. In all other 11 instances, whether it was Bob Stoops or Jim Tressel or Pete Carroll, or Nick Saban with LSU, or Nick Saban with Alabama, or Urban Meyer with Florida, Urban Meyer with Ohio State, or Jimbo Fisher with Florida State, or Ed Orgeron with LSU, or Gene Chizik with Auburn. They all won the national championship within four years. So, and that was in an era where the transfer portal was more conservative than it is now. There was no nil, so it was harder to get things turned around. So before we kind of give Lincoln Riley the free pass because it's only year two. Keep that in mind. 14 coaches since 2000, 11 of them won the national championship within four years, and not all of them had the nil advantages, 
the transfer portal advantages, and not all of them were getting paid $100 million. So I think there is an accountability for Lincoln Riley as well. I promise you, Fred, if this team is four years away from being a national title, people are going to be getting fired well before that. The, the expectations need to be sooner in that regard. So I'll pause there uh, on those three points. I will say this. It's October. And did you know that October is the best month for professional sports and all sports general? Did you guys know that? No. NBA tip-off, NHL, mm-hmm. M- uh, nope. You messing October, me up. Baseball, October Base, baseball. Yeah, October baseball. Thank you. Yeah. I'm about to. She's talking about all star. NBA yeah, tip- baseball, baseball. <laughs> got the fall classic with October baseball. Got NFL, and you have college football. October is the best month for sports. And if you believe that, you go to betonline.ag and put in all your picks, all your bets, pick up all your money, get up to date lines, and also get a welcome bonus of 50% off when you put in promo believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. If you want to get in on this exciting month of sports, that's betterline.ag where the game starts. <clears throat> With that being said, Jamal, I will like to counter to your argument. I'm not giving Lincoln Riley an excuse. I will say this. SC was handed down one of the worst penalties in the history of college football compared to SMU. Right. Even the years where they were on probation and they lost scholarships, they were still competitive. Mm-hmm. The only example I will give is that SMU is just now coming out of their death penalty. Right. People expected SC just to turn around after they came off of probation and just magically pick up. That's not going to happen. It's going to take a lot of work because when SC were down in those years, People are going to Oregon, and I will say this. I don't care what you say. A couple of schools you named had illegal NILs going on, and sure. Dabble Sweetie being one of them. <laughs> Just saying. But sure. neither here nor there. So I'm saying, this is all I'm saying. It may take a little bit longer because they are still recovering from their probation. Even though that probation was over 10 years ago, they're still kind of recovering off that probation. It was the second worst one in the history of college football. That's the only pass I will give them. They do still have a lot of depth issues, and I don't think that you could just recover and get the depth going right away. I think they still need two more years of, re- of recruiting to get the depth right in order for them to be an elite college team. So I will give him four years for that, just from that, 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 that standpoint. Right? If he wants to be an elite, though, if he wants to be Dabo, Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, Urban Meyer, all those guys – he needs to go right now. 100% agree. I don't think he's that guy, right? Especially after watching that interview. I don't think he's that guy. Unfortunately, I think that the the, the brass at USC will be happy with Lincoln Riley winning in Pac-12 and winning a Rose Bowl and not going to the national championship. If you want to be a Penn State of the West, that's 100% fine. You know what I mean? Just let us know so we know where to set our expectations. But in reality is, you want to be a Penn State of the West, the money's going to stop. Because the expectations of the money givers are national championship or bust. Or at least compete for a national championship. Us going to the college football playoff, if we never get over the hill, we'll get money for a while. And then they're going to say, hey, what do we got to do to get over the hill? But we're there. You know what I mean? So that's what I want to get into. And that, just to touch on like the, the general that's my concern when I talk about Jen. <laughs> That's my concern with USC. Like, 
it just seems that there was a sense of elite and privilege and spoiled brats that we all embraced, that it was just this, this level of excellence at USC that separated us from everyone on everything. And now we're like, we might as well be a public school. Like I could see some. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't be disrespectful on the podcast. Don't I'm, put SC and public school in the same sentence. <laughs> I'm just saying like, why <laughs> would I, why would I pay $78,000 to send my kid here when I can send them across town for a fraction of the price? I am not happy with the choices that USC is making with personnel overall. I'm also not happy if you, you can talk more about this because you know the SEC and all their stuff, but I just feel like week after week after week, when they're talking about missing 15, 18, 19 tackles, that's insane to me. You would be fired immediately. Immediately. And you mean to tell me you don't got enough money to, they have enough money to fire that whoever and bring someone else, pay them, give them a pension, a 401k, and bring in two other people. So this whole like, oh, we're going to give them some time. We're going to do this. No. When I was an athlete and I didn't have my stuff together, yeah, you don't have a scholarship anymore. See you later. We're going to get someone new. Also, recruiting, recruiting, your boy pretty much broke the transfer portal. He's the one that was highly, rec- oh, he's got over 22 and he pulled from this. Again, let's talk about that. Recruiting, I agree. Recruiting kids like a Zachariah Branch, who's a traditional, true USC guy for sure. Bringing them out of great programs, track guys, got speed, got agility, shifty. That's a true USC guy. You brought in a whole bunch of people that are pretty much, the knockoffs. Right. And we talked about this before. And I just hear me out. Right. So and I, I just want to reinstate this. If I'm Lincoln Riley, if I'm Lincoln Riley, I will also. If you're Lincoln Riley, the defense looks good. Just saying. If you're Lincoln <laughs> Riley and we're pulling up all that fancy stuff you're doing, our defense is right. So I'll take you as Lincoln Riley coach. But if I'm Lincoln Riley, my first year, I'm 80-20 transfer portal high school recruits. My second year, I'm 70-30 transfer portal high school recruits my third year i'm 60 40 transfer portal high school recruits my fourth year i'm 60 40 high school recruits transfer portal fifth year 70 30 high school recruit transfer portal i'm building and establishing kids as i go along but i'm no longer relying on a transfer portal as time goes on he's created and i agree with you he's creating a JUCO transfer society like Kansas state. Right. And he's only bringing in rental players. I 100% agree with you because he's like, Oh, we'll just hit the portal. We'll just hit the portal instead of establishing somebody and developing them. I understand if you get two seniors that tore their ACL and the guys behind you is a sophomore, that's not ready yet. And you're bringing in a freshman. Okay. We need to go to the portal to replace that spot. I get that, but they're just relying on the portal and you can't rely on the portal because I agree with Jamal. I don't think Caleb Williams is a USC guy, but he's a USC athlete, if that makes sense. He has an elite level of being a USC athlete, but I don't think he understands that when you look at that skyline, USC owns that skyline in downtown L.A. If you need anything in L.A., USC will take care of you. You are part of the mafia, as they will say. You're a Trojan for the rest of your life, but you just don't see that in him, right? It's like... What do I have to do to get better so I don't throw three picks so I could try to get my Heisman back? It's not, it's not, I let my team down. This can't happen again. You get what I'm saying? And you get the difference between that. What do I have to do better to get my Heisman compared to, damn, I let my team down tonight. 
what can I do so it doesn't happen again? And so I agree with you on the on the portal. They're relying too much on it. They should be slowly transitioning out of the portal and be getting high school kids because everybody should want to go there. And be like, well, we don't need the portal. We got a bunch of guys in depth that are getting better unless we really have to go to the portal. And that's what it should turn to. Right. And so I am 100 percent that you can't rip players forever because that style is not going to work. Now, unfortunately, the fact is that he's already done it and he's so deep into it that it's going to take him a little bit longer to start building that high school repertoire behind him because he's lived in the portal. You know what I mean? So that's the bad part about exactly it. Exactly what you mean. But the, and we, we touched on this. Every kid, every school in that Pac-12, which is now is not what it is, but they were the kids that USC didn't recruit. So they come in with a different fire and a different passion, right? And right. The kids that got to you go to USC, that passion and fire, like it was like no other. How many transfers did you play with, Al? Uh, I played with, I think, two. Mitch Mustang and Damian Williams from Arkansas. And then we had a couple of JUCO guys, but, I mean, you wouldn't really count that as a transfer. But those were those just, JUCO guys were gap fillers, right? We got we were low in that. We were low in depth, and we couldn't find enough guys. So they went to the JUCO and filled the gap. Damian Williams and Mitch Mustang wanted to come to SC because we went to Fayetteville, Arkansas, and whooped on them. So they're yeah. like, oh, I want to be there with Pete. You know what I mean? So like, well, they wanted to come to SC. Like, I so, want to yeah. touch on this, and then I'll, I'll get away from the portal. As a coach, as an actual coach, and I'll say I'm elite-level coach, every one of my athletes, most of them go Division One. If I don't feel like Division One is a great place, I'm throwing them in two, and I, they need to develop. Usually it's maturity versus their actual athletic potential. I know what I'm capable as a coach. I can take two left feet and make something happen. When I see a coach that's so deep in the transfer portal, it makes me concerned and question about how well do you actually develop players from the beginning. And when that's I a see good somebody, point. I that's feel really old. When I see Pete Carroll, but it was like development. Ogeron, the way he used to talk, start these guys. Unfortunately, it's all impressed upon my mind, and they were young twenty years ago. They were developing kids. They were developing young men. It was so much more. So. I don't know if it's even if it's a fair benchmark that I have for Riley. I am concerned about his level of development. I'm also very concerned that I don't think you should be taking what's going on in-house. But I need to hear him say, like, there will be some changes in this office. Your parking space has moved to Figueroa. You're going to be walking. You're not going to drive this fancy old um, thing from Santa Clarita out here. You, there's about to be some. I, I need some changes. All right, all right. Let's move on. Let's move on. Jamal, go ahead. Yeah, no, got fired but, up. She's fired I'll up. Say, we knew she was gonna be fired things, up. You know, as as Candace sort of cools off a little bit, uh, you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll say a few things. First of all, first of all, let me say there is absolutely nothing wrong with public school. Let me just put that out there because the last nine national champions in college football are all public schools. I mean, Georgia, Alabama, LSU, Florida State, these are all public schools. So the the difference between private school and public school in college football doesn't really matter. What matters is how much your boosters and, you know, your sponsors are willing to pay in this now new nil environment. I think the second piece to address Candace and, and Fred, you know where I was hoping it would go with Caleb in the post game and in, in the couple days to come was back in 08 when Tebow, you remember when Tebow lost that game to Ole Miss 
And mm-hmm. he got on the podium and he said, no team is going to work harder than we are. And it's going to start with me. And we are going to be the hardest working, most committed, most conditioned, most tough, most focused, most professional team from now until the rest of the year. And I promise you that. And I apologize to the fan base because you guys deserve better. And I will make sure as one of the leaders of this team that this is going to happen. And that's the, the speech that sort of was, you know, put in stone literally in Gainesville, Florida, and, and ultimately yeah. Florida won the national championship. I would have loved to have seen, it didn't have to be all of that, but some of that from Caleb to say, hey, I'm part of the team. You know, and, and again, Fred, this kind of comes a little bit, we talked about it yesterday, and I don't want this to be just kind of piling on because we, we do have to sort of move on and, and think about the future here of this season. But I had I have noticed some poor body language from Caleb the last few weeks. It started mm-hmm. at Arizona State, and there was a talent discrepancy there that they were able, able to overcome. There was some body language issues against Arizona where he was like, okay, I guess I just have to win it now. You know, you guys aren't capable. I'm just going to take care of this in overtime. And then it showed up again in Notre Dame. I mean, there were some dust-ups with him and Lincoln Riley. There were some dust-ups with him and his teammates. He was a little bit more isolated later in that game. And so that vocal leader, the guy who really kind of cares about being at USC, I think is we want to see sort of more of that, more we than, than me. And I think the last part about Lincoln Riley, and, and I think what's fair is we have to go back to his time at Oklahoma. Bob Stoops kind of gifted him, you know, a mansion and a couple of Ferraris at Oklahoma. You know, Lincoln Riley has not really had to go through a true rebuild over the course of his coaching career. He's gone from grad assistant with Mike Leach and going up with Texas Tech to coordinator, to basically being handed the keys to a very nice situation that Bob Stoops laid out in terms of recruiting at Oklahoma and was able to kind of go to the college football playoff right off the jump. So I think it's going to be fascinating to see how Lincoln Riley actually builds a program. Is that the skill that he has? We know he's got a great offensive mind. He's, he's a genius in terms of offensive X's and O's and tactics and strategy. But is he a program builder from scratch I think it's going to be fascinating to see how that plays out. Definitely, definitely. Um, speaking of that, let's 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 roll over to let's roll over to Caleb. And I mean, unfortunately, it's picked on Caleb Day, but let's get over to Caleb and let's. I'm going to show you what Marcus Freeman did. Let's go to the Prize Pick whiteboard. I'm going to show you what Marcus Freeman did. That was really a good job, in my opinion. So here's the thing: they got this is the first pick right here. This is Lake McCree at tight end. He's going to slip block and go here. You got two backers here. This backer here is showing that he's blitzing, right? It looks like they're playing man. What I like here is that he always brought one extra. So he disguised the extra guy to create the numbers in the box. So as you see right here that he needs a a seven-man box, he makes his guy become the seventh man late. So it's a disguise. If we go over to the whiteboard, uh, if you go to that play, what happens is they actually run a pick. Right. So this guy actually comes down here and this guy actually wraps around and these two buffoons run into each other. And then he ends up busting through free. And as Caleb, as McCree slipped through up here. Hold on. Let me get my my draw. I'm going to make this quick because I don't want to run out of time. Uh, As McCree slips here. McCree slips here. This guy is already in Caleb's face. So then. It makes it hard. Caleb threw off his back foot, and it made it an impossible throw. 
actually McCree was wide open. So I think if that hits, that also changes the attitude of the game. Um, here goes here goes his second pick, and this right here was an excellent job by Marcus Freeman. Right, so they have one extra in the box here. That's the Zechariah Branch. They have one extra in the box here. How am I going to get my extra guy to come in the box? They run what's called, I call it a cat. A cat blitz is a corner blitz. You're kind of on the hash. They blitz this guy, bring him over the top. Austin Jones tries to block him, completely misses it. Caleb just throws it up off of his back foot. Excellent play. This is his third pick here. You see it right here. This is an excellent job. They run match coverage. They got a center fielder, right? This guy is keying on um on the running back you got a guy in the middle they're just playing match which turns into man they end up getting pressure on him you already see the i they, they ran this clip late so that's why it's blocked like this they end up getting pressure on him kayla scrambles and this dude actually in the coverage sits here and plays in the hole and they end up throwing the pick to that guy in the hole so marcus freeman actually did a good job a very good job disguising coverages to confuse caleb Right, and that's a good. I, I, my hat goes off to him. Notre Dame was prepared and he was ready. Um, a lot of people were saying he got out coached. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, so you can ask Mark, as many questions as you like, ma'am. Well, I want to ask you in your in your football coaching, you know, breaking down analysis opinion when they're studying film. Is that's you're saying that was Marcus's strategy to to yeah. make sure that they could keep him contained, right, and disguise coverages. Why, right. why is that something he's able to see, but we weren't prepared to counter that? Because we had to know, like you said, we thought Caleb was going to win the game. So a lot of air raid guys are stubborn, and they feel like – I don't know. What's the best way to say it, Jamal? A lot they, – they, they, they're, they're really stubborn. They don't want to change it up. Like, they know that, they know that it works because they put 56 points up when it works, right? So they're like, oh – It'll pop open. It'll pop open, and eventually it doesn't pop open, right? And then they're like, well, we'll get it next time. Next week they play Utah. They'll put 50 up on Utah. I should say if they put 50 up on Utah, they'll be like, oh, yeah, we knew it worked, right? And then they'll go play Cal, and they might put 50 up on Cal. like, see, it worked. And then they'll go struggle against Oregon and, and UW, and they'll put 50 up on Oregon and UW, but they'll also give up 50, and they'll be the last one to score. But they're like, look, we put up a lot of points. So it, the, the air raid guys have a are very very stubborn. So that's why they're like, oh, they eventually thought it was gonna pop open, but they got this from Arizona State. Arizona State was disguising a lot of coverages. Arizona was also disguising coverages and dropping eight off of it. Marcus Freeman just took it to a whole nother level because he prides himself in defense because he's a defensive guy and understood like, hey, I found it. Like we'll just run cap blitz. We'll get the six, but we're not going to show him where the six comes from, right? So if you don't know where the six comes from and then things start moving on you, which they did a really good job, it messes up everything that you have. So, I mean, my hat goes off to them. They, they were they – were, both teams always come in very well planned. They spend a lot of hours in the film room, but this time, checkmate goes to, goes to Notre Dame. You know what I mean? So it, it yeah, is right. – I mean, the, the one thing I'll say here is – there's three ingredients now seven weeks into this season of how to beat SC. And mm -hmm. if you're a team that can do these three things, you have an opportunity to win this game. The first is, can you get pressure with just four, right? And we've talked about that, Fred, in the, the last couple of weeks. If you can get pressure with just four and you have the back seven guys 
that you can choose what to do with. You want to drop seven. You want to come on a delayed linebacker blitz. You want to come on a corner blitz. But if you got you have seven guys at your disposal to basically play rover in different spaces and create different pressures on different sides of the field, because you can bring four, you have an opportunity to disrupt this offense because also these wide receivers have a hard time getting separation in one-on-one. So that's number one. If you can just bring four and get pressure and, and play, you know, have seven toys to play with defensively, whether you want to sag back, use linebacker coverage and blitzing, corner blitzes, you can do that. Number two, you need to have a good quarterback yourself. You need to have an elite quarterback yourself to understand coverages themselves, to understand time, score, situation, be a leader, and and kind of run your own offense. And number three, you have to be able to win in short yardage. Those third and twos, fourth and ones, fourth and twos, if you can beat SC in that short yardage game, it opens up your playbook on first and second down to take a little bit more chances, push the ball down the field a little bit more. Let's break this down. Notre Dame, Sam Hartman, he's elite. He's a top five college quarterback. They won the short yardage game with Estimate. We knew he was such a big back. They knew they could win every third and two, fourth and one, fourth and two. They had it with that back. And then three, they were able to generate pressure with four that allowed Freeman to sag back with seven. Look at the, the Arizona game. Same principle. Fafita was elite. So they had the quarterback. They were able to get pressure with three or four and drop eight. The one area that was missing in the Arizona game was the short yardage. And that reared its ugly head late in that game and in overtime where they couldn't get the two-point conversions. And that's how ultimately they fell short. And so moving forward, when you look at this schedule, you got to be looking for three things. Quarterback play, short yardage play, can you get pressure with four? If there's a team on this schedule that can do that, it's going to be trouble for SC. If it's a team that can only do two of those three things, it's going to be a game, it's going to be a fight. And if it's a team that's only going to be able to do none or one of those things, Lincoln Riley and the Air Raid are going to have their way. That's how I kind of think about this schedule moving forward. I don't I don't think you're wrong, but the only thing is I don't think Oregon's quarterback is elite. When the pressure's on, I think Bo Nix kind of folds. That's why I feel like Oregon, is, we could beat Oregon. You know what I mean? Bo Nix is kind of like a Kirk Cousins when it, when when the when his shoulders get heavy, if that makes sense. But anyway, let's move on. You got anything to wrap this up, Candace? Let, let, can you please get it all out now? Let's flush it so we can move on and start prepping for Utah. Oh, I'm out. My husband taught me snap and clear. So I'll leave it at that. There you go. Jamal, you got anything? Look, I think this is now an opportunity where this team has been questioned now at 6-1. and one. And you could make the argument that this team shouldn't even be ranked in the top 25. When you look at the first six games, the, 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 the first six opponents combined record 18-26. and 26. No, Nobody's ranked. The best win right now on the board is a 4-3 and three Arizona team where it had to go to triple overtime at home. First ranked game, they got their doors blown up. So there's an argument that if you just look at 2023 resume and not talk about, hey, you got the reigning Heisman winner and all the stuff that you did in 2022, there's an argument to be made that this is not a top 25 team. They haven't earned a top 25 ranking yet. So they've been questioned. And now how do they respond? I think that's what we want to see, starting with Utah. And we know those are two big games. Oregon, Washington are two big games down the stretch. So how does this team sort of move forward um, and, and what is the type of resilience that Lincoln Riley has, 
Caleb Williams has, these guys in the trenches have. And I think this now becomes the story. Look, this front six schedule, we talked about it. It was sort of a glorified preseason. A couple of those games got way more interesting than they should have. But we were always looking at this back six. Started with Oregon. You got a ranked Utah team. UCLA might be ranked. Oregon, Washington are definitely going to be ranked. So there's, an, there's five ranked opponents potentially in this final six. And now it begins. Chapter two now begins with Utah in a revenge situation. So I'm, I'm excited to see how this team responds. And I know we're going to get all into it on Thursday. Yeah, definitely. So the only thing I want to see before we wrap it up here is I want to see the, the switch be flipped on, right? It's time to flip the switch. Are you that team or not? Right. And, and and if you're not that team, then fine. We can accept it and we'll move on and we'll start preparing ourselves for if you're actually that team or not. <laughs> the, the, the second thing is, and I'm going to say here, this is going to be a hot take or anything like that. Caleb still has a chance to win the Heisman. And let me tell you how. Caleb is going to play against two top 10 ranked opponents. And if he goes and plays against those two top 10 ranked opponents and just puts on an absolute Reggie Bush Fresno State game against both of those two top 10 opponents, we completely forget about what he did in Notre Dame. So the Heisman hopes aren't over for Caleb. But everybody forgets that this is a team game. Do your job and everything else to take care of itself. If everybody else succeeds, Caleb, you succeed. You need other people for your position to be better, right? So I think he's a little me guy, and he has, he's a, he has a little bit of me in him. He needs to flush the me, become we, and, and push forward, right? So I think there's still an opportunity for Caleb to win the Heisman. He just needs to flush that and have – Outstanding games, and we can win. The, we want to see a SC guy win a back-to-back Heisman, one hundred percent. But more importantly, we want to see this team succeed. And in order for, and if it was me, in order for this team to succeed, if it was me this week, nobody will have on SC logos. Everybody will have to earn their SC logo back. It'll be all blanks. You guys need to earn your logo back. Flip the switch. Let's go, guys, and let's play football. And if everybody has doubt, let's clear the doubt. That's where I am with it. So hopefully that happens. We'll talk about Utah later this week. Um, we took the L. Real quick, you made a good point. I feel like Caleb's lack of we is because he's that highly intelligent that he can't depend on his, he can't depend. So he's that guy like he's Kobe. Give me the rock. Let me get it done. And you understand what I'm saying by that. And I just want I, I understand like like dang fine I'll just do it. Like that. But I want it to be us. I want it to be a win, but I'll get it done. So, yeah, his we is a lack of I think there's some trust issues and I think there's some dependability issues. And that's why he is where he is with that. But at the end of the day, Kobe needed Paul Gasol and Shaq to win championship. Facts. So. <laughs> so you but they also Kobe. had Phil Knight. OK, so Phil, Jackson. Phil Jackson, Phil Jackson, Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson. Got excited. Got excited. It's time for you to go to bed. Let's wrap this yeah, up. Let's yeah. go to bed. Uh I want to remind you guys, uh, Sue's Choice is also brought to you by Stone Brewery Fight on Pell Ale, which I also had at my party this weekend. Go to your local vendor and get you some great beer. Excellent. That's brought to you by Stone Brewery. Also, if you want to save on your grocery bill and that get that gut health, health right, go visit AG1. That's drinkag1.com backslash salute to Troy, and we'll give you five tree travel packs and a year's supply of vitamin D mix. That's Street AG1. You guys, I thank you. I know it was a somber Monday. We piled it on. It is what it is. One day, you guys, one day we will be nice to the Trojans. But until that day comes, they're going to have to deal with the truth. And it is what it is.
we're missing Ryan. He'll be back Thursday. Uh, long trip from South Bend. We appreciate Ryan. We appreciate all our fans and everything. We'll see you guys next time. You know how it goes. Live free, fight on.